Whoa, 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 what's going on, good people? Uh, today, we are back with an episode of God Bless You. That is the name of the podcast that you were listening to. I'm glad you came. Um, today, we're going to talk about how the world and God don't get along. And it's obvious. And it's clear. But I, it's really just a message today about... Don't be confused and don't be so concerned when you realize that you're living a life for God and it's not blending in with the way you used to live your life. Or don't be confused when you realize that you're listening to music that you used to like and you don't like it the same. Or you used to do a thing and you don't like it the same, right? Your relationship with God changes those things and he tells us very clearly in scripture that we'll go over today that I don't have anything in common with the world. I don't have anything in common with this crap <laughs> that you used to like. But anyway, I'll just say a little prayer. I'll open a little prayer today. I just open my heart and mind and I just say, God, I, I continue to ask for a blessing from you and ask for your guidance and your love. And I ask that you would continue to work in the hearts of the people listening here and all the people in the world that they would get to know you a little bit better and get to feel you a little bit closer and know what your calmness was like and know what your power was like knew what it was like to take refuge in you really dear lord i ask that you should bless this day that we would see you in a new light today that we would feel you in a new way today to know that you are working and that you care about your people deeply and we ask for miracles we we ask for the miracles that you commit each and every day in our life that we might not even recognize we just ask that you continue and do not hide your face from us we love you so much and in the name of jesus we pray Amen. Um, yeah, uh, we'll do a quick little sponsored segment. Uh, thank you to Anchor, my sponsor, always holding me down, um, providing for the show. Otherwise, I, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello. All right, so I was thinking about what to talk about for today's episode because the last couple episodes, I realized I was going... Um, very heavy into the Bible, and that's something that you need to do on your own for sure, but I don't think that I should maybe go that heavy each episode into the Bible, so for this episode, I changed it up, and um, I was trying to apply some of the ideas to the real world, right, and how do we experience it every day, and how can we change every day to be better, and more how God would have us be. Um, obviously that's like the point here is that you would move away from the world and you would move towards God. And what started to occur to me was while I was listening to Kanye West album, I was like, this sucks. I was like, why does this suck? Right. And then I started to think about like Christian music that I've heard over time and you know, what I think about it really. And I don't necessarily enjoy it. Like I don't enjoy when, um, Okay, so that's not to say I don't enjoy gospel music. I love gospel music. And I love, you know, to some degree, Christian Christian music. Not not too poppy, though. Not too rock. I, I don't really love that. And I think it needs to stay separate as a separate genre. And I think that's exactly what God intended. And that's sort of the idea for the episode today is that we can't blend the two. God would not have us blend the two. And he talks so many times about the separation of the world and the separation of him from the world. So I'm listening to this album, Donda, 
right? And I've always loved Kanye West. And for anyone who's ever listened to any hip hop music and enjoyed it, I'm sure you've enjoyed some Kanye West. But as I'm listening to this album, he's trying to basically preach the gospel or not necessarily preach the gospel, but make worship music through trap music or like through like trap beats and hip hop beats. And I'm like, why does this not work? Why does it not flow? Like, why does it sound like so laborious almost to try? And I realized that that's the point, right? That's exactly how God has designed it is that it's not supposed God and the world are not supposed to sound the same way. So something that sounds good to the world does not sound good to God. And something that's designed and meant to worship God is not going to sound like it would if it were meant to, you know, worship someone on earth or, or you know, worship men or, or, or work for men, right? They, there is a dichotomy. They're, they're completely separated. And so that is kind of what this episode was going to be about today is kind of that obvious yet not so obvious um, separation between the two and how that's woven into our ears and our eyes and, and the things that we feel, right? I, I'm sure not many people would disagree with me that that just, a lot of times it just sounds weird. It sounds like it doesn't fit. Maybe Chance the Rapper does it pretty good, but I'll tell you, Kanye really fell short. And I'm honestly, I was just thinking about Kanye West overall because he said so many like ups and downs and he's come forward recently as, you know, a, a very outright Christian and he's done a lot of good things, I believe, you know, especially with this Sunday service. It, while the Donda album for me falls flat and doesn't accomplish what I think God would want people who worship him to accomplish, um, I think the Sunday service thing that he does, does accomplish that. And what I mean is the, the, the Sunday service is prayerful. It's soulful. It's so easy to enjoy. It's new and it's healthy. And it has this, this real authenticity to it that um, I look for, obviously, in music. But I look for in gospel music, too, because I think a lot of Christian music, it doesn't always sound that authentic to me. It sounds like they're recording to try to make some money. Um, and as soon as you, your driver is money, you can't put God behind the money. He, he knows his place. He knows where he, he should be and deserves to be. And when he's second fiddle, it doesn't work and it falls apart quickly. And I think that that kind of screams in some of the Christian music that we hear, um, or, or you know, a, a, any music, um, rather, I, I don't mean to limit it to Christian and say not, you know, that Jews or not that. Muslims or whomever could enjoy it, like children of God altogether in their music. Um, so just going back to this Kanye West, Kanye West thing, right? I, how you think about his relationship over time. And at one point, right, he says that he has a song titled, I am a God. And he has that famous interview where someone asks, or, you know, they're asking him, like, who do you think you are? And he said, I told you who I think I am. I'm a God, right? So that doesn't go well with God's overall message of there is only one God. It is me. And that should be abundantly obvious to you because you can't do these things that I can do, 
right? You can't change the weather or you can't heal someone or you can't do these things. You cannot accomplish what I can accomplish because you are not me. There is a clear separation between you as a human and me as the one and only God, right? He makes that abundantly clear and drives that home in so many different ways. And we'll go over some scriptures today where he says that probably in a less angry voice, this one is more uh, just for understanding, but, um, how, how can someone go through through, through this uh, phase of saying, I am a God, having that egomaniac type uh, mentality to coming to Jesus? Well, I mean, that's not hard, right? There's nothing you can do. I'll tell you right now, this for everybody listening. There's no sin or sin against God or, or issue or thing that you have that cannot be overcome with a relationship through Christ to God. There's not one, right? Jesus didn't die for only part of the sins or the sins that you had before your baptism or any of these other things where you could fall out of grace, right? Once you were saved, you were saved forever. And you just had to believe that you were saved forever. And you just had to believe that those sins weren't accounted against you. So even even going back to some of the biblical characters, right? David who God said, this is a man after my own heart, which he doesn't say about anybody else, right? That's that's probably the highest uh, compliment that God could give a human being, right? Without being Jesus, like saying that this is actually my son. Um, David kills a man, right? This is what he does. Long story short, David sees this woman, Beersheba, through a window showering, or, you know, bathing. I don't think they had showers back in the day. And he and he falls in love with her right there. And, he, and you know, he's kind of tempted by, by her and wants to marry her and all this. So his plot to um, get her out of the marriage so he can marry her and have kids with her and, and be with her is this. He takes her husband, who works in David's army, in his own army, and basically puts him at the front lines. So in the next battle the husband dies and God that pisses God off. Cause he knows, he knows exactly what was in David's heart and he knows exactly what happens. And basically he says, um, David, you killed this man with their spear. You did it, but it happened with their spear. And that's a very interesting, like take on the, how God views accountability and how he views uh, our reasoning and the, and the way we do things. And, and that's something that you should definitely look into. Um, but that's still someone that God blesses mightily. And, you know, God makes him the first, well, this technically the second Saul is this first King, but he doesn't listen to God. So right after um, David comes in and becomes this great King that restores peace for, for the Jews and, and brings wealth back in and they prosper under David because God loves him, even though he killed someone, right? So that's just to say, right, there was nothing that you could do if you came back to God that would separate you from God, excuse me, right? There was nothing, there was no sin that you could commit that was too great for Jesus's sacrifice to overcome for us now, right? God had a, so the only reason I say it like that is because chronologically David lives before Jesus lives in that human form on earth. Um, but still this idea of redemption, this idea of God showing mercy beyond your sins was, was clear and obvious through all, all of the biblical story.
So don't think that there's everything, anything that could separate you and Kanye knowing that well, right? Because I, I, I've heard a lot of him speak and he, he understands scripture to a degree and he understands God to a good degree or Jesus to a good degree. And um, he, he comes back, right? And then he makes this gospel music. He makes all of these things. But even now I see him falling away again. Right. Because I heard him say or I saw some quote on Instagram or wherever. And he was like, God had me born just so I could beat Pete Davidson's ass. Right. And I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, obviously, that's the complete last thing. Like, God, if if he were to confront God about that, he would he would say you deserve punishment for this. This is this is bad news bears. huh? Um, but I, obviously. Jesus takes up that punishment. And so as long as he accepts Jesus, even saying ridiculous things like that will be forgiven. But it makes me think like um, all of these bad things, right? Like his, his wife has left him and he's uh, under uh, immense criticism for this and that. Albeit he's very successful, but it's just making me think like, oh, so you can, you God will bring justice, right? That I guess that's the point, is that God will bring justice. And if you have a good thing and God blesses it, but you turn away from him, it doesn't matter to him. He, he will destroy it, and he will let you know you're moving away from me. And I, I, I'm not going to say that this is exactly how God works and this is exactly how things are, but I don't think it's coincidence is what I am trying to say, is that things fall apart as you move away from God. And as you move toward God, he restores you and builds you back. So this, me thinking about Kanye, me thinking about the music not sounding right, me thinking about all this was sort of the impetus for this episode here today. So the scripture, or it's just this idea, let me just reiterate before I go into the scripture, right? Is that God isn't supposed to sound like the world. Right. God doesn't feel like the world feel, feels. God doesn't come with the anxiety and the pressure that the world comes with. He makes a difference between the two. He paints a purposeful difference in the picture between he and the world. Right. They don't have anything in common, really. What? Nothing in the world will last forever. Nothing in the world. No one in the world can promise you something in eternity like God can that you're not alike. And understanding the difference is understanding God all the more, really. And this is and so think about this. This is why Christians sound so crazy or people who believe in Jesus or who, who believe in God. They sound so crazy to people who don't. It's because God isn't supposed to sound like that, right? They sound like they're out of their mind, but that is exactly the point, right? Is they don't think like you think. They don't, they're not beholden to the world. They're not beholden to their job in the same way you are. They're not beholden to their relationships with other people or, or authority in the same way that you are. There is one authority above all, and he is God, right? He is Yahweh. He's all he's all of these um these names and, and beautiful beautiful things. Um and so right when when Christians come in or children of God come in and they say, um, you know, I don't I don't believe in these things that you believe in, you sound crazy to me too. That's the point. Is that I sound crazy to you, but you sound crazy to me. And we'll, and frankly, we'll see who's right in the end. 
this I bet right when I my baptism, I bet my whole life on Jesus Christ, right? I, I gave him my whole entire life. I, I died in a in a way and I came back in a new way. And and now this is what I'm wagering, right? I wagered my entire life. My entire life belongs to Christ. So if he wants to drag me through the dirt, this is something that I signed up for. I I, I pray all the more that I, I won't have to deal with that and that the blessings that God promises and the promises he would make good on because I, I you know the, he's not he's not quiet about his promises to the world. He's not promised, he's not quiet about the healing that will come into your life. He's not quiet about the prosperity or the peace of mind that comes into your life when you worship him, right? And he tells you, frankly, if you go away from him, what do you have? All you have is chaos. All you have is destruction, right? If you don't believe in God, well, the next thing that you have is, I don't know, maybe the president. So so you wager, you know, your, your life on the success of the president, right? Or the success of your country. And and no country is as well off as the United States. So if you're not even in the United States and you're wagering on, on, on a person, how much further away from that peace and that healing are you actually making yourself? These people can't bring that to you. And so this is why we rely on the Holy Spirit. And this is why we thank God above all things. We have no other option really, because otherwise the option is just garbage and it's, and it's a human. And, and I was actually having this conversation with my family yesterday and, and it's hard to see, but there's such a need and a desire for God, right? And we're talking about education and what's going on in the world about how, you know, your feelings, it's about it, a lot of it, A lot of the world now is about your feelings and, and how your, how you feel is truth. And not to say that your feelings aren't warranted, right? Even I think things and have feelings that are not necessarily honorable to God, right? I, I have a sinful nature in me, but there's a difference because when you go around teaching this idea that how you feel is truth, right, is the objective reality and it is truth, um, that can only be true first if there is no God. But considering that there is a God, he presents a way out for us all and for us to settle matters easily, right? Because think about it. If my if my truth is the objective truth of the world, then yours is not, right? And that's just how it exists in my mind. Obviously, neither of the of the objective truth are the objective truth because we all fall short and we all have these shortcomings that a lot of us don't realize, right? So if it's just me against you, then there's no right or wrong. It's just whoever has a stronger army or whoever you know, is more eloquent in that debate and convinces the most people, then they become right, right? So it's just me versus you. It's a human versus a human. There's no real authority. It's just you were born into a better life, so your morality uh, reigns true, right? But then God comes in and says, actually, no, you're both big dummies, and my morality is true because I created you. Right. And, and I understand justice beyond what you can in your limited life experience. Right. My morality, my truth, my judgment is is the truth and is right. And if whatever the topic is goes against that, that is the wrong thing. And it's that simple. And people have a tough time accepting that and they have their own ego issues that they need to work over where they're so moralistic and they're so aware of how to be right that they won't even consider it. But again, it's just their own 
perception. It's just their own idea. And I am not beholden to your ideas. That's the beauty of it is I behold to God, right? God is the one I chose and he's the one I live with. And he's the one I make decisions based on. And I won't be proven wrong because in the end, he is the creator. He He is the one overall. And he made those promises to me. What can you do, right? If I adhere to your morality, what can you give me? Nothing. Obviously nothing. You have nothing for me. I don't want anything that you have. That's the point. And so that's kind of what this episode today is about, is um, recognizing that the world doesn't fit in with the almighty God. What a freaking surprise, people. Wake up. God bless America. So let's just get right into one of the scriptures here and um, and say, right, the, again, the theme today is going to be how, how the world and how God don't really get along and they're not really in agreement and they're not really yoked together, to use a biblical term, wink, wink. Okay, so uh, the first scripture that we're going to go says this very blatantly. First uh, John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. It says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If any if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Let's just get an amen. And let's just thank God for the holy word. And let's just thank God for the truth and the way and the light. And let's just thank God. But obviously, let's pull apart some of this idea here, right? So he, he, he again, and we have to be very excited about this, that God gives us a dichotomy here. And he, and he does not say... Oh, well, if you interpret and oh, well, if you feel it, oh, no. He gives us a dichotomy and he says there's two ways to be, right? He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world on one end, the love of the father is not in him on the other end, right? So he creates this dichotomy between the love of him and the love of the world. And he's saying quite blatantly, he says word for word, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So right here, he's saying in so many words, right? I am not like the world. The world is not like me. The world cannot deliver what I can deliver. The world is not me. They are separate entities and beings. And if you are in the world, you are not in me. And this is the scripture that really jumped out to me as I was listening to this Kanye West thing, because I was like, why does this sound so bad? And it's because he's trying to blend the two. He's trying to like kind of get the both the best of both, both worlds, right? But God doesn't allow that. He's saying the love for me needs to replace, not come in addition to, but it needs to replace your love for the world. And then he goes on and he kind of explains what, what the love for the world is. In verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, then he lists some of the things, um, the desires of the flesh, right? Okay, so quickly, right? The desires of the flesh are, are lust, right? They're the, the, the appeal to your eyes, right? 
the 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 jewelry, the flat, the fancy cars, the the flashy lifestyle, the the things that are of the world, right? Um, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, right? The things that we take pride in, like our work, right? Uh, our job title is a design by the world, right? God didn't design your job title, right? The world did, right? The world gave that that name CEO its potency. That doesn't come from God. That comes from the world, right? Because the world figured out we have to organize ourselves in a new way because we don't need God anymore for whatever reason. And so we've, we're going to now create this hierarchy where we put the CEO at the top. We worship the CEO now. We work for the CEO. We spend hours and hours and, and days and days of our life for the CEO because he's the one that I sacrifice for, right? He's the one who gives me what I need, my check or what have you. Although when you get sick, and you take too much time off, even with the good benefits that are coming, you still get replaced, right? God says, I'm not going to replace you. I can't replace you. I made you, right? You are a perfect thing. I love you deeply, and I will not let you be sick for long. And I will not let you struggle if you recognize me as your CEO. If you recognize me as your president, I will take care of you, and I will provide the things that these men can't. That's, that's his promise. He makes that promise in eternity. He says, I will do it forever. And it's not even hard for me to do, right? That, that That's the power and the strength and the confidence that God comes with. He says, if you just recognize me as king, as president, as CEO, then you will be provided for. But as soon as you go back into the world, as soon as you go after these desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, when you go back to those things, you will not have me. You chose to love the other one. You didn't recognize the power. You didn't know me well enough to understand what I could do for you. And that's a problem, right? And so let me just continue on. He's saying, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Those, The pride of life, the desires of the flesh, that those things are from the world. They're not from me. So loving those things is not loving me, right? And then lastly, 17, verse 17, which kind of sums it all up and lets you know the truth, right? And the world is passing away along with its desires, but who, whoever does the will of God abides forever. So then he takes into this idea of the permanence, right? He says, and, and the world is passing away along with its desires, right? And so you think about those fancy cars and well, they rust and they rot and they, and they break and they, and they're destroyed and the money. Well, we know for sure we can't take it with you because everyone who dies, right? Their money gets dispersed among their children, right? We know for sure that that wealth and, and those worldly things you don't, you don't get right. The, the, the nice clothes, they rip, they tear, they, they break apart. They look nice for a time, but they are gone with the wind eventually. Right. Right, the, the nice house that you built eventually gets replaced by a bigger and nicer and more technologically advanced house. The things that you love here on earth will fall apart. They will eventually come to ruin, right? And he, and he says it, he sums it up beautifully and simply and says, again, I'm just reading it. And the world is passing away along with its desires. And if you think about that, even still... As we go through our life, as we age through our life, our desires in life change. So what is the point in going so hard after one thing or another when you are fickle and the things that you want change over time? 
And so this is why he comes with this hard point at the end. He said, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. He, he says forever. He doesn't even say your whole life. He, he gives this thing that we can't even fathom, right? This, this idea of eternity, this idea of forever, we cannot really truly understand, but God does. And he says, you will abide forever, right? You will be with me in, in conjunction, right? With me, you will live under my wing, under my protection, under my guidance and leadership forever. Who can make promises in forever? What can your boss say? He will sell the company. I, I Maybe I'm a little butthurt about it, but my first job, right, I was ready. I was climbing the ranks. I was good to go. I was working with the CEO, the, C, the, the chief legal officer. I was working directly under general counsel. I was like, this is fire, bro. I'm doing it. And then all of a sudden, my job is for sale, and the company is for sale. And if the offer is good enough, I can accept it, but... It, they really put my whole life right they just shook my whole life down and said because and think about it like i relied on that job for my sustenance for my happiness for my um uh what is the word like acknowledgement my uh uh gratification satisfaction no no what's the word like my um my worth was in that job is what i mean to say and when that job was taken from me i had to question my worth right it wasn't, and trust me, my ego was too big at the time to think, oh, I wasn't doing a good job. I knew I was doing a good job. But to feel that expendable for that second and that moment really made me question really everything. I was like, why did I do this? I, if I, obviously, if I had known that in two and a half years, my the job that I took right now would be for sale, I would not have done it. I would have spent my time elsewhere. And, and that's the point is that you don't know when, when you invest in the world, you run the gamble of the world and you run the gamble of the, you know, the, the tough, the toughness and the problems and the, um, I'm forgetting the word, but like the inconsistency of the world, you, you run that risk. That's the gamble you take. And for some people, it seems like it works out, but even in the end, they don't get to keep it. So what is it really worth in the end? It's only worth something for a short time. If it is at all, even I'm wrong here because God is arguing that it's not, it's not worth anything. And so this is my encouragement for you today is to tell you um, that it, there is a dichotomy that God creates and, and to be a part of the world is not to be a part of God. And to be a part of the world is to be a part of a short time, is ephemeral, short-lived. But to be a part of God is to be a part of forever and to have a promise to you forever. And this is just one of them, that you will abide forever, right? And so I wanted to continue, you know, just to make sure that we have this healthy dose, dose of scripture um, and to make sure that, you know, it's not just me rambling on and on about me and, and, and how I view God, but really how God views himself and how God gives us lessons. One thing I'll always warn you of, is when you, if you start going to church or if you're going to a church, you need to be super, super skeptical, even, even if you think they're good, uh, of how biblical your pastor is being, because you don't go there. I mean, all the, you know, they have great charisma and, and to some degree they are chosen by God to do that work. But there are sheep, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, right? So we need to be skeptical 
and to know and to see that this person is truly preaching the gospel. And this is um, scripturally solid, right? And this has a foundation of scripture. And I, I just come with that warning because I've seen it before, people who like claim to work for God, but God tells us this. He says, the fruits are how you can tell if the tree is good or the tree is bad. That isn't word for word, but basically he's letting us know like, okay, this person is coming with the gospel, they're coming with the good news, but there's there's something wrong there and you can't tell by the fruits. By the fruits, right, their, their ministry isn't growing, their, their, their thing isn't growing. And it's kind of obvious that that God isn't behind this for some reason. I hate to say it like that. Like we need to stay down and keep our head down and in God, and eventually it will come. But maybe this guy is doing it for his own gain, right? So I, I'm just the the reason I say that is when you hear a priest or a pastor build a whole hour, you know that you would sit in church off of like one line of the entire Bible. Um, I think that's something to be skeptical of. Because that means you're getting a lot of them and not a lot of God's word. A lot of their word and not a lot of God's word. So we need to be skeptical of that. But anyway, don't write them off. Admonish them. Be their brother or sister and say, hey, I think I need to hear some more scripture. And don't be afraid. The, the priest there is not higher than you, believe it or not. He's done some work to earn that title and respect that. But that is not to say that just because he's done that work, he is saved. Right. That is not to say just because he's done that work, he is higher than you and can tell you how to live and how to be. Now, if you seek him, obviously, and he put himself in a position where he would know the word and could tell you. So I'm not saying don't talk to your pastor about how you should live your life, but don't regard him as closer to Jesus than you are or anything like that. We all have our own individual relationship with God and we can all be as close to Jesus and God as we would like. He would have you come closer every day. Just letting you know. So just be wary. Uh, that was my little warning for the day. But to to really send home this idea of how the world and how God have like nothing in common, um, and how it does, how God doesn't fit into the world. Like again, with the Kanye music, he's he's trying so hard to fit it in, but it just doesn't work. And the idea that came to me for that, thank God, was um, when. When Jesus gets arrested, and when Paul gets arrested, they don't know what to do with him. They they can't figure out how to persecute him. They don't. They can't figure out what the crime is that we're going to put this man to death. They don't even know what he did wrong, really. They think he's saying blasphemous things because eventually uh, Jesus will will say, "I am the Son of God," but. Otherwise, they don't they don't have anything to work with. And so I just wanted to pull through that scripture today of um, of Jesus after he's arrested, kind of what what the conversation is like and how, you know, the Jews of the day and the Romans of the day, how they like try to per persecute him and try to, to figure out and kind of and the best that they can do is they kind of just clean their hands of him and say, ah, away with me, away with him. So I'm going to read it. It's a it's a little bit longer, but it's not it's nothing crazy. It's um. What is the scripture that we're going to read here, Eric? It is John. The, now we're going to the gospel of John. The first one was first John, the first letter in the Bible from John. But this is the gospel of John chapter 18. We're going to do verses 19 to 23. And we're just going to skip a couple because it's about a, 
basically an idea that's separate from what I'm what I'm getting at. It's about Peter's denial. It, has, it doesn't really keep the story. So uh, we're going to do 19 to 23 and then 28 to 40. Um, all that same chapter, verse, uh, chapter 18. So the, again, this is right after Jesus gets arrested. The high priest questions Jesus, uh, verse uh, 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questions Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Quote, or I'm not going to do the quote stuff. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replies. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Right? He said, I've not been hiding any of this. I've been out and open about who I am and what I do. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Ananias said to him, uh, sent him to bound up Saiphus, the high priest. So right away that you can tell. They're kind of shook and they don't really know what to do. Like, okay, they're going to smack Jesus to kind of keep this hierarchy. Like, are you talking to the priest the right way? But as soon as he gets questioned on that, why did you strike me? What did I say wrong? What did I do wrong? What is the problem? They don't have an answer, right? They don't know. It doesn't fit their narrative, right? He doesn't fit in to this place yet. So they're just kind of acting out. And he says, why do you strike me? And, and then Ananias sent him bound to Cephas, the high priest, right? So he's like, I'm getting rid of him. And now he's moving on to the high priest because I, I don't know what to do with him, right? So right away, we're seeing that, that God isn't fitting in to the, the identities and the, the outline that people have of him, right? So then continuing in 28, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Cephas to the palace of the Roman, Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? And then they just say this, right? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. So that doesn't answer his question at all because they don't have an answer to that question, right? What charges are you bringing against this man? Well, you know, if he weren't a criminal, then why would we be doing this, right? But they don't know. They, they don't have an answer because he hasn't really done anything, right? We, right? We're taught Jesus committed no sin and he wasn't out there attacking people with anything besides his words. Um, <laughs> he wasn't out there, you know, you know, breaking the law per se. Um, but yet they, they have it out for this man and it's hard to tell why. It's just because they don't believe that in, in the end, it's just that they don't believe this man is from God. They don't recognize his actions as the example of how God would have acted in the world and how he would have someone conduct himself. They don't they don't see it. They have their own morality. Right. They have their own sense of justice that is from the world, even though they think it's from God. It's really just their own. Because if they did, they would understand that God was right in front of them here. Right. And so. They say, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would have not, we would not have handed him over to you. Excuse me. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. 
And then they say, but we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. They objected. They took place to fulfill what, or this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Like, can you just settle this for me, please? And he says, is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? And that's something that that's very, very interesting, right? Do you actually know me and know the things that I said, or are you just working on what others have said about me? Do you actually know that I'm the son of God, <laughs> right? Like, is, is, is that your own idea or, or did others talk to you about me? And that's, and that's kind of a challenge that we all need to face in our own life when, when we have these preconcepts and ideas of what Jesus is and who Jesus is to the world. Yet we haven't really done the homework. We haven't really read. We haven't really prayed to him and really explored who he is in our in the in the right way. And so we kind of have this false or doctored image of who Jesus is based on other people. We don't need to get the image of God from some other person who is flawed. We need to get the image of God from who God says he is. Right. At least give him that. If you're going to entertain it, at least give him that and take him for his own word. Take everyone for their own word and take God for his own word. Just the same. But I digress. Um, is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish by the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is from another place. He says, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release, excuse me, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shout back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And there's so many things that we could pull through and it's so many things that I already kind of echoed that it's so interesting that this story here kind of sums it all up, but check it out. All right. He says this, this beautiful thing. He says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and come in and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And again, God is creating this dichotomy of if you listen, if you believed in the truth and were of the truth, you would listen to me here. And if you're not, then obviously you're of a lie. You're of some construct by men. You don't know me. You don't know the true living God. Right? So he tells you straight up, man, if you're not with me, you're against me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me and knows me and knows what I do and knows that there's 
It's not a wonder that you don't know how to persecute me. It's because I've done nothing wrong. In fact, I've done the good thing all the way through. And so he, he comes back, with, and, and, and this is what humans tend to do, right? They tend to kick it up to this philosophical, oh, well, what is truth? What is inherent truth, brother? You know, like, oh, how could you say, right? We, we like to pick it up to this idea that we can't understand truth. And while that is true, God claims and asserts that he knows the truth and he is the truth and he is the light and the way. Amen. But it's just to say, it's just how humans will kind of brush off the idea when they don't feel like getting dirty, when they don't feel like, you know, really digging into the work that will just kind of pass the buck. And it's like, oh, well, someone else will figure out the ultimate truth about the world. I'm not going to deal with it today. And so that's that's the message here today, right? Is that I need you to do the work. God needs you. Sorry, I don't need you to do anything. I, I need you to love me and love God and love your neighbor as, as, as yourself, right? Because that's what God asks us to do. That's the only reason I would say I need it is because God needs it for you and God can make the promise. And I can't. But I just wanted you all to understand with this is that don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you are pursuing a life after God and you start to feel confused and you start to feel like you're living a double life and you start to feel like your friends aren't listening and respecting you the same way. Well, it's because the things that are of God are not of the world, right? The truth in God is not the same quote unquote truth of the world. They are different. They are in fact opposed and work against each other. And so this is where we have to be strong in who we are. And we need to be strong in how well we know God and how well we know his word so we can feel confident in the promises that he makes us. We can feel confident in the things that he will do for his people so we don't need to feel insecure when we start to move away from our comfortable life that we had at one point, albeit sinful, and realize that there's a, there's a better thing. And that comfortability erodes away quickly when you start to know God and you start to know that I was living the wrong way. And it's not a surprise that now I'm living the right way. Those wrong things don't agree with me. It's not a surprise. So this is what I'm saying. Don't be surprised. Just like that Kanye song sucked. It didn't sound right. It's because you can't mix. There's there's a dichotomy. There's a there's it's not um what were those things in, in in school where you have the two circles and they're overlapped, there's no overlap. There's no overlap. There's no agreement is what God tells us, right? He says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And if you don't, if you're not on the side of truth, then you don't listen to me. And it's obvious, right? So don't expect those things to fit in, right? And also the same exact thing almost happens with Paul. Paul is um, I, I'm not going to go too long. I went a little bit longer than I expected, but but basically the same story repeats itself with Paul, where they're trying to arrest him and trying to put him up on charges, but he hasn't done anything wrong. They don't know what it is that they don't like about him. They just don't like it, and they want to get rid of it, and they'd rather just wash their hands of it. But just remember, is because there's no place in the in the world for God. You can't put God into the world. Right, he does not belong there. He does not blend in. He doesn't sound how that sounds. He marches to a different drum, and and as you follow him, you will march to that same beat, and you will be proud of it, and you'll be happy of it, and you will understand that that's a sacrifice, and understand that, you know, 
it sucks because you have to leave some things behind. But we do it for the better thing. And those people and those things, well, the things won't come with you, but the people should. The people should recognize and should be able to tell by the fruits and the happiness and the th- and the calmness that's in your heart now that um, you have God. And, and that's more valuable than all of the other things in the world. So I just say, God bless you today. I hope he works in your life in a mighty, mighty way. I hope the Holy Spirit is on you and you start to feel like you are, you know, the ways that I hope God makes it very clear to you, the ways that you have in the world, that they're the wrong way and that you're doing the wrong thing. And I hope that it makes it more clear that the things that you are doing right, that he, that he shines his light on those things and blesses you and you find favor in some of those things. And, and all the more, I just pray that God bless you and that you would know God and that you would pursue God above all else because he was the most important thing. Y'all have a great day out there. Keep your head up. Praise God. And I'll see you later.